five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're talking about digital mostly today, um, but we're going to start off with a little bit from Tom Fishburn on uh, on LinkedIn. So let's get over to that. And here we go. Look at that. How cool that works. Okay, spray and pray marketing and sales. When I first got into uh, when I first got into direct marketing with Vic Hunter, um, we used to, you know, we used to say that to people. We used to say spray and pray. This was in 1981, <laughs> you know, a little while ago, 40 years ago, and uh, people would, you know, marketing people, but even more so presidents and and uh, CFO. I, we didn't have CFOs in those days. We had we had uh, the chief thing hadn't started really back then we would have VP of finance or or something like that but anyway they would like that um, so here maybe this complete stranger who knows absolutely nothing about our business can help invitation to connect I noticed your profile need any support or services ignore accept but you know I I'm more of a what do you call lion on LinkedIn and so I accept a lot of invitations. I, you know, maybe maybe shouldn't. Uh, it's hard to tell sometimes. You know, I've been getting a lot of um, young Asian women um, who supposedly live in L.A. and have about a hundred connections or fewer. And um, you know, I've been I've been not accepting those. But in the past, sometimes I, I thought about not accepting. Uh, I have a connection. I should have looked her up. But she, she's uh, a very, very credible uh, statistician, Ph.D. statistician. And she publishes uh, regularly in uh, reviewed journals. <laughs> but she's from Ukraine or or. Uh, someplace in Eastern Europe and her her profile picture was was so stunning that I thought this can't be a real person and it was a real person so you never know so uh, I tend to err on the on the side of hitting accept um, but I do actually look them over uh, Tom Fishburne and I are connected for for a number of years and every now and then we, we write back and forth, or he, he'll reply to something I do. So thank you for that, Tom. I am a real person. <laughs> There's proof of life right here. So no matter how sophisticated the tools have gotten or how rich the data, I find it funny that much of sales and marketing, or marketing and sales, still rely on blunt force, one-size-fits-all lead generation tactics like these. And... Um, you know, we used to test a lot. We used to, you know, we used to, as part of our pitch to get away from spray and pray, we used to encourage clients to do more testing, do more tracking. And one of the things that was really popular back in the back in the 70s and, uh, and 80s was card decks before the Internet. And a card deck, you know, a magazine publisher typically would put out a deck of we call them bingo cards, partly because they came with a, a card that had a bunch of numbers on it. And you could just circle the numbers of the cards. You didn't have to mail the cards to the manufacturer. You could just mail one card back, postage paid. 
and they would alert the manufacturers to all of the um, things you, you, you said you were interested in. And whenever we'd bring those up to clients, they would say, oh, I hate those things. I'd throw them right in the trash. Okay. But then we did, then we, we had a particular client, a manufacturing client, and they were doing uh, a broad range of lead generation and advertising. And we, we started tracking their cost per lead. And, um, you know, they, they advertised in the Wall Street Journal and the cost per lead there was about $200. And we had them do a couple of card decks where some of them were, the lowest one I think was $2 a lead, right? And you say, well, the $2 ones, they aren't going to be worth anything. Well, it turned out that the conversion rates were about the same. And what that told us was that a lot of people don't know what they're looking for. <laughs> and if you keep the cost low enough on the next step of the lead qualification of the funnel, if you will, that sometimes the, the lower cost per lead actually has a better uh, conversion rate and uh, obviously return on investment. So mm, as much as I'd like to agree with Tom on this, I happen to know from real data that we don't know who's going to buy next. And he goes down here to say, um, the scattershot approach is often described as spray and pray, broadcasting generic messages to large groups in hopes that a small percentage will magically convert. Well, no, you could do qualification. Um, but right here, and here he suggests that, that, Account-based marketing, which is just another new acronym of stuff we were doing in the, in the 80s, <laughs> with outreach and tailored communication, you know, it's more of this personalization uh, assumption. You know, the, the idea that we can personalize, especially in B2B, where the person you're talking to might be only one of 10 buyers, you know, so you personalize to that guy's professional profile or their psychological profile or something that you bought from some new buzzword vendor, um, you know, and they're not maybe the most important decision maker. So, you know, sometimes the, the, the biggest challenge, I think, for business to business is that you don't control the information, is that your your client can do all kinds of research on your on your business and on your product, you know, before you, they even talk to you. But anyway, sometimes spray and pray will trigger that that next step. But anyway, beyond even finding the right potential customers, we also have to be aware of context and the buyer's intent and reach them at the right time. Well, how the heck do you do that? You know, how do you know? A lot of times it'll be, you know, I'm talking to a, a company that, that has a drug testing product for business and... You know, the the thing that triggers, it, 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 we've been talking, I suggested that the thing that might trigger it is hearing about another company that had a big OSHA problem because one of the employees was, was on drugs and not tested. Um, you never know what's going to trigger stuff. I don't know what's going to trigger my own decisions, much less a business. But anyway, so Aaron Bass, who... You know, they emphasize reach so much, sometimes you think they're advocating spray and pray. But 95% of target B2B buyers are not even in the market for the product or service in any particular quarter. 
No matter what you do, they're not looking for that. Okay? That's the truth. So what? Stop advertising? Yet according to LinkedIn, 92% of the B2B budgets are spent on short-term bottom-line funnel objectives like lead generation and only 8% on long-term brand awareness. And part of the reason for that is that the buyers change over time. So long-term is difficult in B2B. The other thing is, is that you're just after low-hanging fruit. You're after the people that are in the market right now. And the next month, a, diff a different batch of people will be in the market right now. And so there's some logic to it. It's the logic of the card deck. Okay. But this mismatch, according to, I don't know who, Aaron Bass, creates an opportunity to better match marketing and sales outreach with what buyers are actually looking for. We can't break through the clutter by adding to it. I don't know. Uh, you know, part of the reason I do this every day is so that, you know, if you see something that sounds interesting, you know, give it a look. Um, at least I'm around. And if you decide to do mail or business to business direct mail, that's where I got my real uh, start and have done probably more clients in B2B than in consumer. Um, though we do a lot of consumer too. Uh, seven types of LinkedIn requests. I've noticed we have blue shirts in common like the blue shirt guy. Do you have 15 minutes to talk with a total stranger interested in agile, digital, disruptive blockchain? I run a team that can help with whatever you do. I'm so busy networking, I don't have time to write a note. Well, anyway, I try to avoid all of those things. Okay, here's an interesting article um, from Ray Schultz. A UK publisher was banned from business for selling ads that never ran. It, it's not clear if he's selling ads that never ran or he's selling ads in a magazine that never ran. <laughs> I think maybe that would be a better way to phrase it from what I can tell from this. And I had it all marked up, but somehow I didn't get it done. But basically, um, he was selling ads in the West Midlands Police Motor Club and uh, raised 75,000 um, pounds and... and um, but apparently, he used aggressive sales ta tactics. I, I'm often, you know, I, I used to get a lot of those calls from the police associations, and I read somewhere that uh, there wasn't, um, there wasn't really a charity by that name. You know, that they would just call you up and tell you that it, how great it was, and all the money went to the to the disabled police association or something. Um, so be careful when you make those de donations. But anyway, um, you say, how could somebody be so silly as to buy ads that never ran? Well, now we're going to talk about uh, um, an article in Forbes by Dr. Augustine Fu. Uh, Fraudsters cheat by tricking the reporting to look awesome. And this is way too much. You know, this is 11 minutes and there's a, an article to the to the next one. And uh, but. Data third party can data can be added to your attribution and your Google Analytics <clears throat> by basically injecting Java code that tells Google that they clicked your they clicked your link in Google. Now I don't know if that directly affects how much you pay for Google, but you know I had a company tell me they were they were paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to Google every month. And I've had clients hundreds of thousands a year. Uh, it adds up little by little. Um, 
uh, Newsweek was caught injecting JavaScript to alter the viewability measurements. So they were taking ads that were in places that people didn't go and they were calling them viewable so that people would run ads on them even though nobody really looked at them. Now whether they then made the clicks work or they just charged not pay per click but they were just charging for the ads on Newsweek since it's a reputable air quotes reputable publisher. Um, but they were actually caught doing that. So it is possible to do that. Um, and uh, CTV ad impressions, were they were they were caught streaming for hours to generate more C CTV ad impressions. In other words, your TV is off, but they use your IP address to make it look like you're watching. And there's some unscrupulous stuff out there. And I'm not, you know, my point of the, uh, the previous article was it's not just digital. You know, it's just, it's just, it's been around. It's crime. It's criminal. But there's a lot of ways in digital, according to Augustine, Dr. Augustine, um, affiliate sales companies can claim when a person comes to your site, they can manipulate that, that, you know, arrival and say that they came from their site, even though that's not where they came from. Because the attribution, the attribution URLs here, are in plain text. And so you can just tell Google, no, this came from my site, you know, not Newsweek or whatever. Anyone can copy it, alter it, and repeatedly click on it. So the combination of JavaScript and the vulnerability of readable links, readable URLs, giving us where, you know, the, the, the site that they, they arrive from. You can also do what's called uh, do what's called cookie stuffing, which is what I do on Thanksgiving. Um, but this is different. And uh, there was a really, let's see if we can get this to work. I don't know if I can get this to work or not, but let's try it. This, Dr. Augustine actually ran a test. And this is a, this is Google Analytics. He's looking at Google Analytics. And all of a sudden, this these ads are getting thousands of clicks. And you can see over here on the right, uh, there's the, the clicks. Th there is no ad running. <laughs> this is all manipulated. This is him showing you how he can make, it, make Google think that he's getting clicks on his advertising that isn't running on any site. No human visitors. This is even better than the than the the click farms, you know. So anyway, he has some tips. That's enough of that, I suppose. You know, we don't want to don't want to have you lose sleep at night. But his in this article, he clicks to another article, an older article, attribution, the weakest link in all their digital marketing, and he explains how this is all done, and. Um, you know, one advertiser is getting more clicks than ads were running, and uh, they can even fake sales. And when no sale occurred, by passing specific information about the sale, like the item purchased and the sale price. So here's some steps at the bottom of the attribution that I think are still solid uh, that you may want to check. But uh, as always, the links are down the articles, marked up articles with the PDFs, 
are in the are over on WDMA just shortly after the um, just shortly after the show. I'll put them over there, and you can download them if you're a subscriber. There was one point I really want to make. I put double lines on it, but maybe I didn't save that one. I don't see it. Anyway, I put super double lines to make sure that I could find it again because it was really scary. And I don't want to scare you. Did you know that bad guys don't even need to actually generate traffic to a site to trick the analytics? Yeah, all they have to do is repeatedly load the analytics tag itself. The tag is just a plain text URL with some plain text parameters appended to it. And then it says, see the Google demo. There was no traffic actually generated. Only the analytics tag was loaded repeatedly and variables passed in to fake referrers, pages, languages, etc. The alternative, of course, is direct mail. One alternative. You know, we have a we have a new product that is reminiscent of the card deck, but designed to work in the digital age. Uh, it's also designed for rapid follow-up without using cookies or other uh, other IP tracking, retargeting, and getting people information that they're looking for um, instantly. Uh, not requiring Google Analytics at all. It's a it's a great tool for B2B and best best yet if you have a wide range of uh, of manufacturers that you represent as a large distributor. It's a great way to do co-op advertising. Uh, I've been told by one business to business uh, marketer, actually the CEO, he said that there was plenty of there was plenty of co-op money around, but it's hard to get it because it's hard to verify the digital. This is this is much more verifiable, and I think the manufacturers would be excited about being part of it. Uh, also, it can generate a mailing list. If you don't have a mailing list, this would be a quick way to generate one. Um, and so a lot of things are happening in helping you with this horrible thing but in mail you know it gets delivered you know it gets to a decision maker even in business to business you can get it to a decision maker and uh, you know it gets looked at and you know a decision is made you have to make a decision with direct mail and you say well the decision is to throw it in the trash or not that may be but in digital it goes away if you ignore it direct mail doesn't so people who decide have decided and are decision makers have a great day. Give it a share. Send it to your friends and they'll know you're smart. Bye-bye. Let's put that up there.